Welcome to Running Deep, a podcast that exists to encourage women to be deeply rooted in the Word of God through every season of life. Hey ladies, welcome back to another Running Deep podcast. I am excited about this podcast. Like we said last month, we are talking about singleness this month. Um, Last month we had Christina Hannon on and she talked with us about marriage. And this month we have Laura on with us um, talking about singleness, Mm -hmm. which is really fun because Laura is um, always on the podcast with me and has done um, the other podcasts. And so I've been asking Laura for a while to do one on single. Um, and she's been a little hesitant, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're excited to um, finally record it. But why were you a little bit hesitant, Laura? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons I've kind of wanted to put this off a little bit. First of all, just maybe, maybe it's just a pride thing, but as we've talked about different people we want to have on and different guests, we kind of think, what is their thing? Like, what is something they really are good at and we want to pick their brain and so it's Mary is awesome at prayer and Amanda's a lifelong learner and so I kind of was like oh I don't want my thing my topic to be singleness um like there's more to me than that and so I think that was the hesitation but I can acknowledge like yeah obviously there is more to me than that but also it has been something I've experienced and it's shaped my life in a lot of ways and it's something I have things to say about mm-hmm. so It's a great opportunity to talk about um, one aspect of my life being singleness. Um, I think another reason, too, is there are so many angles that you can talk about this from. Um, There's so many different experiences, where people are at, what they need to hear. um, And I recognize my experience is only my experience. So with that, like, I almost feel like a topic like this could take forever. I don't know who is listening and what they specifically need to hear. Sometimes when I talk about this, I get real sassy. And sometimes people don't need (laughs) sassy, they need gentle. And so speaking just to a broad audience, it's like, I don't know what tone to take. But that is something we would acknowledge is like the nature of these podcasts Mm -hmm. too in general is um, we are getting a snippet of somebody's life, one person's experience. And when these are 30 to 40 minutes, you know, you you know, by the title of this podcast, we want to go deep. We don't want to just skim the surface. But there's only so much you can talk about in right. that much time. Yeah. And so we're acknowledging this is a limited peek into somebody's world or a topic or something like that. So this should not be, and we, we would never say this is like the only ultimate right. source on these topics. It's just things that I've gathered along the way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, as we're talking about this, know that there are so many other resources out there than just this one podcast, obviously. Um, one that I've interacted with recently and would... A lot of what I'm going to say comes from this book, and I would totally recommend it to people that are married or single, is a book I finished recently called Seven Myths About Singleness. Um, it's by Sam Albury, and so I'll just put that out there at the beginning. Like, a lot of what I say is kind of quoted from that, and I'll say if I'm taking things from that book, but that's something I would just put out there at the front end. Yeah, that's really helpful, and uh, the reason why I've really wanted Laura to share this on the podcast is she's really helped shape my view of singleness and I've really appreciated um, just interacting with her on this. I've never met someone who has such a God-honoring, God-honoring view mm-hmm. um, and not in a, I've never felt like it's a poor me or um, 
there are times where it is hard and Mm -hmm. she's open about that. But I just really appreciate your, um, honesty, but also Mm -hmm. just, um, your God honoring view of it. And, um, it is hard though. And as someone who is married, I do feel awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. And how do I, how do I interact with you, Laura? I think I've asked you even sometimes where it's like, is that weird to like mm-hmm. just have you over and Jake's here? And how does that work? Mm-hmm. And this, I don't want to be weird and I don't want to share things that are hard or hard for you to hear. And you've just been great to just be like, no, talk about the normal. And, um, I just, I've so appreciated that, but singleness can be, um, a difficult topic, especially in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, in the church, especially, and just in general. But what would you say, Laura, are some of those min- misconceptions? Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think in the church, we don't always really know what to do <laughs> with singleness. Yeah. Um, you even see this when it comes to like books on marriage versus books on singleness. Um, and this is a wide generalization, I know, but a lot of books on marriage it's assumed to be this great thing and we unpack like how to understand it better and how to walk in it well. And then books on singleness usually start from this angle of like, yes, we understand singleness is awful. Therefore, the point of this book is to help you figure out things that are going to be at least tolerable about it or something like it just Mm. kind of, um, singleness is almost always defined in the negative so it's more of an absence of something we say that a single person is unmarried we would never say a a married person is unsingle (laughs) so it kind of can reinforce this idea that there's nothing intrinsically good about singleness it's simply lacking what's intrinsically good about Mm. marriage um we also and we should celebrate marriage. It's a good thing, but we can talk about it sometimes like this accomplishment. When you meet somebody and, you know, if you think about the meet and greet time at church and you meet somebody, you're trying to come up with what to ask and what to say. And a lot of times when you learn somebody's married, that's met with enthusiasm and praise. It, there's next steps to conversation. Oh, mm. how'd you guys meet? Tell me about your kids. Things like that. When the answer is no, it kind of is this awkward halt in conversation. Mm. I've had that happen before in a meet and greet time where I was standing next to um, some friends that are married. And so the gal behind us met them and they kind of chatted a bit. And then she turned and looked at me and she's like, Oh, are you married? Mm. And I said, Nope. And she was like, Oh, that's okay. And I was like, I know. Okay. (laughs) And luckily that was kind of the end of, you know, the music started again, but, but I, I'm sure she felt awkward after that was like, ah, that was not the right thing to say. Um, but that's the other hard thing too. Like you were saying is we can get so worried sometimes that there's these landmines that we walk into. Yes. But how terrible would life be if with every person we ever interacted with, we had to think through like, oh, is that going to affect, like, that's not just a singleness thing. That's right. a, you know, you've talked about that with miscarriage, yeah. like when people ask, how many kids do you have? Yeah. And so, you know, we need to be able to have grace for each other and not overthink everything. Um, but so when it comes to the church's conception of singleness um, or idea of singleness, Actually, the Bible describes singleness as a blessing. Mm -hmm. And being a 31-year-old single woman in the church, I can say this is actually true. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I would say through gritted teeth. It's not something that I'm like, yeah, it's been a gift, but it's more like a cancer gift. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. this has actually been a sweet thing I delight in. And so, um, yeah, I think we should acknowledge that more as the church. Yeah, so... What would you say is a passage that you've seen in the Bible that represents that, that it is a gift, it is a Mm -hmm. blessing? 
um, and how has that just impacted the way you viewed it? Yeah, so so Paul talks about um, marriage and singleness in First Corinthians um, chapter seven specifically is where we where we get that concept of singleness being a gift. Um, but I think sometimes we talk about it in this kind of tongue in cheek way, like oh, it's that gift that nobody wants. It's mm-hmm. that Christmas gift that you don't you you hope you don't have to have. And um, I think that's a wrong understanding of that passage. Um, I don't think first of all it means that when he says that if you desire marriage, you're promised marriage as if like, oh, I don't, I don't have that gift. And so I know I'm going to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think it's this, like we're playing the game of life and you accidentally draw the card that says gift of singleness. And God is kind of like, ha ha, Like, like the, the, uh, old maid yeah, game. Yeah. You're like, wait, <laughs> what? That's not what I wanted. Yep. I genuinely think what that passage is saying is if you are single right now, you have the gift of singleness. If you're married right now, you have the gift of marriage. Congratulations. Like live in light of wherever Mm. you are right now. Um, Whatever your gift is right now might be temporary or it might be longer. Mm. Um, Statistically, those of you ladies who are married right now, your husband is more than likely going to die before you. That's a sad reality, Mm. but it's just true. And so at that point, you will once again have the gift of singleness. And so it's something that, yeah, I don't think it's this lifelong, um, I don't know, eternal thing that I, I do or don't have this gift of singleness. I think the dangers of thinking that you're assigned to one or the other, um, if you're single and you assume I, I do not have the gift of singleness, you can kind of live as if you're waiting for your life to start. Mm. Like, okay, I don't have the gift, and so I'm waiting for God to give me that spouse, and then I can do everything I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so you just wait around until then. For married people, the danger with, of that could be you get married and realize, oh gosh, I think I was supposed to have the gift of singleness. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do with this now? And I, I don't think that's how it works. Um, I also don't think when Paul says gift, he's using air quotes, um, as in like, this is this trial, this sickness, but it's kind of a gift because God will teach you through it. Yeah, there are totally times that it can be painful and I feel that and I understand that. Um, but I also genuinely think if a single person lives their whole time in singleness, thinking they are walking through the valley of the shadow of death every single day, I feel bad for you. Like, Mm. I think you're missing out on real true joy that there is to be had in that. Um, So part of of what that gift is then I think is um, I do feel that as a single person, I'm able to have a little bit more undivided devotion to the Lord. I, that's like a, I straight up have some more time, some more freedom, some flexibility Mm -hmm. than some of my married friends. Um, I can be totally tempted to use that selfishly. So I need to challenge myself to not, um, get overly protective of my time, my resources. Um, so I, I do need to actively fight against that. Um, but at the same time, I would say the church should not abuse this. So think it can how, be easy how have you seen it abused yeah i think lately uh, or in the church i think sometimes um when it comes to like babysitting or child yeah. care like i think singles can be easily called on a little bit more to be babysitters and that's such a good role to play like mm. i i love doing that but um i would just caution against like assuming that singles have all this time or, mm-hmm. or guilting them into thinking they need to do certain things um 
I would say for most, like speaking for most singles, yes, I think we do need to push ourselves to make the most of our time and our social energy, things like that, because my singleness is not for me. It's for the Lord. Mm. And so I need to figure out how to use that gift, not just to satisfy myself or enjoy my independence, but serve the church, serve the body with it. Wow. I just, the fact that you said my singleness is not for me, it's for the Lord. That is something that can really reshape how Mm. you view the season of life that you're in. And that, that really is like you're saying this gift, it might be forever. Mm -hmm. It might not. Mm -hmm. And we don't know that we don't know the future. We don't know what God holds, but this is a season that God's given you Mm -hmm. as a gift. And to see that as God's going to bear fruit in this season and he's going to use this gift for his glory and his honor and you just have to have open hands. And I just, I've personally seen that played out in your life and mm-hmm. have so loved watching you step out in faith and just serve faithfully and see that your singleness is a way to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that to say, those are all great things mm-hmm. and things that I've seen in your life and have so appreciated. And also even just hearing you talk, I'm like, man, I am... I am guilty of doing some of those things of like, hey, can you babysit? Can you do this? And I'm totally guilty of it. I love babysitting (laughs) people's kids. Don't take that away. No, but I I do know that even though you can have a right view of Mm -hmm. something, um, you can have a right view of singleness there still can be hard things about it. Mm -hmm. So what is What's the most difficult thing or what are some difficult things about it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say in general, I, I don't think a ton about the things that are hard about, like, I, I don't feel like most days I'm wishing that I was married, but there are some times where I do, like, there are some things that are difficult about it that I would, you know, things that I would, um, long for in marriage or motherhood, um, it can be weird to mourn things like that. I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure how to mourn the loss of what I maybe assumed my life would look like at a certain age. Um, so like when I turned 30, I, I was very aware, like my mom had her first child at 30. Mm -hmm. And so I was aware, like, huh, I don't, I wasn't the kid that like dreamed about my wedding growing up a ton. Um, but I think I assumed by a certain age I'd be married and have kids Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that. So so there can be these little moments out of nowhere that just kind of hit me like, oh, I feel a little bit sad, like this unexpected moment where I'm like, oh, whether it's watching a family, um, I don't know, celebrate holidays together or watching kids play with their grandparents, I'll think mm-hmm. like, man, I would love to watch my parents mm-hmm. play with my kids or um, being at baby, sh- I love baby showers. I had a weekend a couple weeks ago where I was, I went to one on one day and the next day I went to one, I was helping to plan for a good friend and it was so fun. But then when I came home, there were times where I was like, man, I, I would like that for myself sometime too. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to things like about having a spouse, there's times I'd love to come home and tell somebody about my day, have someone to go to weddings with, go on vacation with, have people to do nothing around. Like that's something that I, I don't know if that's more just my personality, but I can feel, um, when there's times that I feel emotionally tired, but want to be around people. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to sit and catch up with people. I just want to sit and like 
watch TV with them or be mm-hmm. in the same room as them. And so I love having friends that I can do that with. Um, one of the things that maybe is more an annoyance than like a bummer is feeling so we can sometimes talk about life being um in stages Mm -hmm. so something about the word stage just makes me like bristle a little bit because then it can feel like people reach the next stage by Mm -hmm. talking about being married and having kids and so it when we talk about it in that terms I feel like I'm behind Mm. um and so that a 21 year old who's married is at a further along stage than me um sometimes I can tend to get lumped in with the 18 year olds um when it's like no I'm 31 and my friends are 31 and um those are the people I'd want to be around I don't need to only hang out with single people um yeah marriage in the Christian world can be kind of seen as this rite of passage or a sign of maturity or one of the signs that you've grown up and I totally recognize there's things that I don't understand in the same way because I'm not married but also I maturity can come through a lot of different ways yeah. and so I don't I don't feel like I'm going to live my entire life behind people that are potentially one day 20 years younger than me and married yeah. just because they're married and I'm not so that can be a weird thing sometimes I guess not like a bummer but just like oh, it's weird yeah <laughs> so and that is hard and I I can imagine just the like you said, just even the random comments or mm-hmm. the things that people might say, and you're like, "Ugh, I don't like that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, I do appreciate that you can recognize the hard, but you don't sit there mm-hmm. and you don't wallow in yeah, it. Yes. But you recognize that these are hard, real things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times where you might just need a guy to help you with something on your car or in your yard or Or on your house. Yeah, you guys came over and helped me (laughs) put my wreath up in my yard. Yeah, little things like that that um, I'm sure can just, like you said, be annoying too. Um, But you don't stay there. And Mm -hmm. there are also great things about being single Uh, that I've heard you talk about and witnessed you being able to, you know, like you said, go on trips or whatever. But what are some things that are just also great? Yeah. So some of those things, even that sometimes I can feel bummed about drive me to ask for help and, and make new friends and different. So like, it was so fun that when I needed help in that, your whole family came over (laughs) and the kids (laughs) did somersaults in the living room while Jake went outside to, you know, help put that up. And so, so things like that, that drive me to different community than I would have, you know, expand my box of community has been so fun. Um, I'm confident there's some things in my life right now that would not be the same had I gotten married in my mm. 20s or had I not been single through my 20s. The job I have right now, I love it. My job is to work with college students and disciple them and have evenings that I give to just be with college students. I'm confident I wouldn't be in the same position or be as uniquely able to be in the life of college students um, if I were single right now. Yeah. I like. I think I still would be passionate about that, but I don't think I would have my specific job. Um, Yeah, there's just certain areas of ministry I am able to be more undivided with that. Um, Yeah, I 
it gives me a capacity for a range of friendships I don't think I would have been able to maintain as well. So I have a good friend in Ireland that I got to go visit a couple years ago, or a lot of my married friends, all all of my best friends are married and have children and live within most of them a few hours. And so it's way easier for me to hop in a car and go visit them over Mm -hmm. the weekend than for them to pack up the diapers and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. come visit me so that's there's freedom in that um there's also been things I've learned about myself that I don't think I would have learned had I um not been single through my 20s so like I love traveling by myself I love it and I don't think I ever would have done that in college so if I would have gotten married at age 22 I wouldn't have discovered that because I don't think I would have had the need to travel by myself yeah but that's been like a sweet gift that God has given me, I think. Okay, so um, where have you traveled? This is just like fun get to know Laura. <laughs> where have you gone? <laughs> yeah, like a couple summers ago, I spent a few weeks in Europe. So I went to, mm. I visited friends at each of the places. So I visited Albania and Ireland and Austria and Switzerland. Then a couple years ago, I went on a trip to Asia and then hopped over to visit some family in Australia while I was there because mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. And so, yeah, and so I just spent days either with people or by myself wandering and I love it Mm. so those have been really fun things I also really delight in having a level of independence and freedom just in general in life and so yeah there's seasons where I'm kind of like oh I I might rather forego my independence to have this or that but I actually really like things like that and Mm -hmm. so um there's things that are genuine delights about it Yeah, that's great. I um, want to circle back around to when you talked about your job and Mm -hmm. how you may not have the same job or have the freedoms in your job that you do uh, being single. Talk more about that. What does life um, look like as a single woman in ministry at Mm -hmm. Candeo? And um, yeah, just share kind of what, what Candeo views as like women in ministry. Yeah, it's been really fun over the past couple of years to see this um, even be an expanded conversation at Candeo. Um, so my specific role is I'm the associate director of Salt Company. So we have a director and I'm the associate director. Um, I'm in the director's room. So there's a team at Candeo of men and women that lead in different contexts in our church. And um, so it's been fun to have a central voice in that. Um, I really, yeah. So at Kendo, we would say um, our conviction from scripture is that there are a couple roles that are limited to um, men in the church and in the home, specifically in the church that would look like teaching the Bible within the context of the gathered body so that um, expository teaching of God's word on a Sunday morning in our context, um, and then also the role of the elder. Mm-hmm outside of those two roles, there isn't a position we would say is limited to men. Um, Traditionally in the church, a lot of us may have grown up in churches seeing women not have a ton of opportunities for leadership, or maybe that wasn't because leadership didn't think they could, but just traditionally, Mm -hmm. women have served more in the roles of children's ministries or secretarial positions, things like that, which is great. Those are wonderful roles for women to be in, but that's not the only place that women can lead in. And so at Kinda, we've really strived to, over the past few years specifically, see women in um, pivotal roles of leadership within every context of our ministry. Um, The areas we really have seen that flourishing more so the past couple years have been equipping classes, 
um, connection groups. We believe that true complementarianism looks like men and women leading alongside one another yeah. and bringing out the best in each other. And so it's fun to see most equipping classes, if you take one at Candea, will be led by a man and woman side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, connection groups are led by men and women, whether they're wives of connection group leaders or single men mm-hmm. or women. Um, so that's been really fun to see and be a part of. Yeah, I really appreciate that also. Just uh, watching um, from the community side of things, I'm on the community ministry team and watching especially single women jump onto the connection group leadership mm-hmm. and um, that really thriving and really helping, especially with some of our newcomers, be a welcoming hand to Mm -hmm. some of the newcomers that walk through our door who are single women who maybe are a little bit um, more hesitant to jump into a connection group that is only led by a married couple, but more happy and um, more excited to jump into a connection group that um, has a single woman as a leader Mm -hmm. in that group. for example, Mitch and Leah lead a connection group and they have Michaela Better as a connection group leader also. So um, it's just paired nicely and has been a welcoming hand. Now, not every single woman who walks through our door um, needs that or wants that. I'm not saying that, um, yeah. but it has helped, especially with our newcomers, which mm-hmm. has been a, a great benefit. And uh, Michaela Vetter is an awesome connection group leader, mm-hmm. and I've loved watching her lead, um, just personally going to her group. So, and single women can minister to all women, mm-hmm. not just other single women. So, just the fact that we have single gals serving as connection group leaders doesn't mean that that only relegates them to disciple single women they're able to minister to all women at the church yeah that was something that i gained some new perspective on a couple summers ago when i was helping to teach a women's study on first samuel um it was really fun when partway through the class there was an older woman in the class who's older than me she has kids that are like older kids and she introduced me to her husband saying like oh this has been my teacher and and just was talking about what she had learned from me. And it was kind of like an eye-opening, like, oh, I I guess I've kind of just assumed, like, I need to only speak into the lives of women that are younger than me and single because that's been my experience. But it was really fun to acknowledge that, yeah, I don't necessarily have things to tell you about how to parent from my perspective, but I know what the word says about this or mm-hmm. that, or I can talk to you about godliness or different things that are um, part of our walk with Christ outside of marriage and children. Yeah, definitely. I've learned so much from you, even just as, you, like you said, the the first Samuel class, um, I can remember a couple of the lessons that you taught, um, and specifically one of them that I was blown away, how you walked through the Bible up until that mm-hmm. point of where we were at in first Samuel. Um, so specifically learning from you, um, knowing that you've had a wealth of knowledge in Mm -hmm. God's word and you have clung tightly to those things. What are some of those passages or truths that you've clung tightly to um, in just this season of singleness? Yep. Yeah. So there's been a handful of things I would say have been the biggest like truths, like you said, for me to cling on to or just game changing things I've learned over the past couple of years. 
um, of walking with the Lord in the midst of singleness. So one I would say is that God does not withhold any good thing from me. Mm -hmm. So that comes primarily out of Psalm 84 and then paired along with Romans 8, it says that the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so I know that what I have right now in my life is legitimately God's best for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel like that every day, um, but a lot of times it really, really does. Like, I yeah, there's things that God knows about me and has given to me that I love, um, that there's not some alternate reality out there that I was supposed to be living that I'm not or that I missed out on right. or that God is withholding from me. He always has given me his best and he always will give me his best. So that's a truth for today and for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, whatever that might look like. Um, and I think the reason I can cling to this is because I know that God knows me more than I know myself. He knows my needs more than I do. He mm-hmm. understands my fears more than I do. He loves me more than I love myself. He's more committed to my ultimate joy than I even am. So knowing all those things, I can trust him that yeah. he's giving me his genuine best. I think second of all, knowing that I'm never alone. So this might sound a little bit cheesy, but sometimes when I'm making big life decisions, I feel kind of like, oh, is it just me making this decision alone? Um, but I know that actually I'm not ever doing anything by myself. Yeah. I know from Matthew 28 that Christ has promised that he will always be with me to the end of the age. John 14 talks about how I have the Holy Spirit with me as a counselor. Romans 8 talks about God being our father and how I've been adopted as his child. And so I'm always under his gentle leading and discipleship and discipline. Um, so yeah, God being with me is better than any other person being with me. Hmm. Yeah. The fact that he is a good father, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, he knows what you need and he's with you. Yeah. So he knows exactly what you need and he's not going to, he's not going to withhold anything from you and he's not going to leave you. Okay. I'm just going to pause and say we are recording this at my house with my kids home and so if you do hear um kids playing or interruptions that's just real life life. so yeah but laura what else would you say you've learned yeah so i'd say a third thing is that nothing is a fix-all to life's problems including marriage um so guilty confession i love the show snl and i was watching a sketch the other day that was making fun of that dating show love is blind and one of the characters on it said once i'm a wife i won't have problems and i died laughing because i think that's literally how some people view marriage is like Mm. it'll take away all my problems all my insecurities and not feeling good enough will go away because somebody will be there every day to tell me i'm beautiful and that's just not true Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you will still have problems in marriage There is nobody that is without problems on this side of eternity, and literally nothing in this life will satisfy me outside of Christ. Um, Plus, what a horrible, unrealistic weight to put on a future spouse if I think they are going to satisfy me. That would be crushing for anybody. Um, Next, I'd say I've learned that romantic fulfillment isn't fundamental to a full and complete life despite what what Hallmark Christmas movies would say about what humanity is supposed to look like. Um, singleness isn't incomplete or subhuman. So if we think of two examples of like awesome men that we look to in history, Jesus and mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul were single. Jesus was the most complete and perfect human being that has ever lived. Um, 
So that shows that romantic fulfillment, marriage, sexual experience are not intrinsic to being a full human being. Paul even is the one who gives us most of our teachings in scripture about marriage, marital advice and things like that. And yet he was single. And so, um, yeah, they're, they have very full lives and it's not something you need in order to be a yeah, mature believer. Yeah. And the fact that marriage is only a picture of Christ mm-hmm. in the church. So it's pointing to something greater. And so marriage isn't the fulfillment. Marriage isn't the ultimate thing. It's just pointing to a greater thing, which is Christ in the church. Exactly. Which totally leads into my last point then is that marriage is there to serve as a pointer, as a picture to our ultimate one day future union with Christ in heaven. Mm-hmm. So obviously the real thing is better than the shadow which if this is if marriage is a shadow, it honestly doesn't really matter that much if I have the shadow. Mm. Um, so one of the quotes, a couple of these next quotes are from that book I mentioned before that have been super helpful. One of them says, if at some point you find your marriage is a disappointment to you, please bear in mind that's because it's supposed to be. It's not meant to fulfill you, but to point you to the thing that does. Um, So later he says in the book, if marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, singleness shows us its sufficiency. I love that. So I'm going to repeat that one more time. If marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, singleness shows us its sufficiency. So it reminds us that the joy and fulfillment of marriage in this life is partial and can only be temporal. The presence of singles who find their fullest meaning and satisfaction in Christ is a visual, physical testimony to the fact that the end of all of our longing comes in Jesus. So that means things that I might long for in this world that I might think would be satisfied in marriage actually only come through satisfaction in Christ um, and my longings for those things aren't wasted. Even something, this might be awkward, but even something like sexuality doesn't go to waste. Mm-hmm. Even like sex- sexual unfulfillment itself becomes a means of deepening my sense of the fuller, deeper satisfaction I await in Jesus. So it helps us to hunger more for him. Something like celibacy isn't a waste of my sexuality. It's a wonderful way of fulfilling it by pointing me to the reality of the gospel and the fact that All things in this life will only be met in Christ. So the things that I ache for or yearn for in this life, whether it's intimacy or motherhood or things like that, um, ultimately those things will only be satisfied in the person of Christ. Yeah, the things that we long for here on earth just causes us to yearn Mm -hmm. with a greater longing and yearning for heaven. Um, And as someone who's sitting here listening to you, uh, as I'm a married woman listening to you share this and learning so much and really appreciate this time. And I've so appreciated you sharing your heart and what you've learned. But I'm also thinking, man, I know that I can be um, sometimes oversensitive to things and can be awkward about things, or maybe I'm saying things that just really aren't helpful. (laughs) Um, And I would love to know that. And what are some, just for the married listeners out there right now, what are some just helpful um, tips or just some advice that you can um, give us as we wrap this up? Yep. That's a great question. Um, So one, I would say 
is it's not helpful to comfort people who are maybe grieving or hurting, whether it's a breakup or whatever, by saying, oh, don't worry, there's someone out there for you, or you'll Mm. get married one day. Um, Even though this is something I often want to tell people who are, I don't know, having a meltdown and they're 18 and I just want to look at them and be like, you're statistically probably going to be married and I'll be at your wedding in three years. So then we'll be (laughs) laughing about this. So stop getting your panties all in a wad. Um, But that wouldn't necessarily be helpful to say to somebody because first of all, that's not something we're promised as believers. Mm -hmm. We are nowhere in scripture promised a spouse, even if Mm -hmm. it's something that we think is our greatest desire in this world. Um, So that's an empty promise that isn't real. And then second of all, um, that's not something I want to be putting my hope into anyways. If we're sitting here saying your ultimate hope and joy should only be found in Christ, then why would I comfort somebody by pointing them to the gift and not the giver? And so um, it's just, it's usually set out of a great heart, but usually kind of an empty comfort. Um, Second, I would say, both to married and single people, hang out with each other, get around, like invite singles into your family time. Singles, go be friends with married people and people with kids. Um, How anemic would we be as a body, as a family, if we only ever spent time with people whose lives look just like ours? Um, So I'm sure it's great to spend time with other families that have kids that are the same age as yours and have shared experiences, things like that. Um, But when we do only that, we can start to think the problems in our worlds are the only problems out there. Mm -hmm. Or parenting can become your world, your identity. And so it's really good to like live as a body and bear one another's burdens and see how the gospel looks different in different people's lives. Um, for singles out there too, I might be crazy, but I think being a third, fifth, seventh, ninth wheel is so much fun, whether it's for date night or family things. Like I love being around other couples. It's tons of fun. It gives me a family feel. I need, I need family in my life. And so, um, it's a way to be around family. Um, it gives a context for healthy relationships with men, with brothers in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm hanging out with a friend and her husband, um, I should also pray for and fight for the health of my friend's marriages. So I want to be a part of their marriage in their lives. I should be an extra adult role model to my friend's kids so their kids can see this isn't just something my parents think, mm-hmm. crazy Christianity stuff, but other people actually believe it too. Um, for yeah, for married people, I'd say I've felt the most loved in times in my life when I've been invited into some of their intimate family times or traveling or things like that. Before we did this podcast, I joined you and your kids for a picnic on yeah. the living room floor, and I loved that. Or the Hoferts have invited me over for their Christmas traditions, like decorating mm. their tree, mm-hmm. which I think growing up I would have wanted to protect that. Like, mm. oh, this is just my family, but I love that I get to be part of that intimate moment with them as a family. When couples invite me to travel with them, there's like nothing that communicates more love to me. It's weird, but like traveling with couple friends is like one of the greatest love languages for me. Mm. Um, So yeah, invite people into your life. Um, Another one I'd say is to married people, don't, don't keep saying like, Man, I remember when I could take naps. Man, I remember when I had freedom. Oh, you're so lucky that you can just hop on a plane whenever you want. Um, it is true that there are some freedoms that, yes, I ha- I, 
I can actually hop into my car and drive up to Minnesota for a weekend. So there's things that, yes, there are different freedoms, but I still live under limitations. I still have limited vacation days or money or when it comes to things like vacation, while I love traveling by myself, generally I'm waiting for somebody else's vacation I can hop into. And Mm. so I don't, I'm not going to just like drive to California by myself. So, so there's things, um, it just isn't helpful. And single people, that's the same. Don't sit and like dream about all the things you'd want about marriage or say, this must be so great because there's good things about it. Yeah. Mm. But it's, it can be a little bit belittling. I think when people say, Oh, I remember when I could sleep in Mm. as if, I don't know, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Even just, um, right before, uh, before we started this podcast, I said something I I really appreciated you even jumping in and giving giving some light. I said something about um, just needing um, feeling convicted oh. of my selfishness <laughs> um, in this time and um, saying sometimes I just need an hour and all of us need just an hour to ourselves sometimes. And Laura just kind of paused <laughs> and was like, yeah, but sometimes not. And that's so true. Like, in my life, like I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so selfish for like needing an hour by myself. But mm-hmm. sometimes it is like I appreciated you people. just like yeah, just <laughs> yeah. jumping in and sharing that. But also, just don't feel, don't feel also like in the midst of this all too. Don't feel like everything you say could be a landmine because right. yeah, I I would never want people. Which is okay. So then my fourth point would be. Married people, don't censor the things you talk about or say and share honestly about what you're struggling with or things like that in marriage and parenthood. Like, don't ever hesitate to tell me you're engaged or pregnant. Mm -hmm. That would make me feel way more left out Mm -hmm. if you felt like, oh, should I share this? Is this going to hurt, Laura? Um, Because I want to know about your life. I want to be a part of what you're pain and struggle and challenges look like um it's good for me to see those things so I don't mistakenly view um marriage or motherhood as this Instagram moment you know it's easy to see those things and and think that's all there is to it and so it's so good to hear you say oh I just need an hour alone (laughs) yeah I'm reminded like oh when I long to be around family I recognize like if I were in your shoes, I'd probably long for an hour alone too. So I love being the connection group I'm in right now is all, um, is mostly married couples with two or more kids. Hmm. And I love that they're very raw about like marital conflict or their kids being annoying to them or things Hmm. like that. And I love that they can be real about those things so that I know that's what real life is. Um, it also reminds me that we all struggle with different areas of contentment. Um, so there's a group of gals from college that every year we try to go on like a girls weekend away. And at times I've been, they're all, they're all married and they all have at least one child right now. And there's been times where I'm like, ugh, I feel like our lives are so different. They're always talking about their home renovations or their kids or their husbands. And I don't feel like I... Um, can relate, but I'm so glad that over the past couple years, we've actually leaned into those life things together. Um, because I could stand at a distance and think, oh, their lives are perfect. But actually over the past few years, each of them has walked through either, um, having trouble getting pregnant or miscarriage or foster care and adoption and seeing and living real life with them in the midst of all that has been so good to see like, yeah, you're, you're struggling in that Mm -hmm. I'm struggling in this. 
and um it's just good to be a part of people's real lives yeah thank you so much laura for sharing Mm -hmm. this month just about singleness and what you've learned through it and sharing your wisdom and advice for all of us i so appreciate that you're willing to finally do it for us (laughs) and uh this has been great and even just um learning process for me too um is there anything that you want to share just as we wrap it up yeah really just that um as women as believers our goal should not be to seek um to make whatever our situation or experience is what we find our contentment in right no matter what whether you're single or married or a mom or trying to have kids or not or working full-time whatever that looks Mm -hmm. like our contentment is to be found in christ and um we can then take joy in whatever our life looks like in the midst of that but knowing that those things are not ever to be the ultimate thing it's it's always our fulfillment comes in christ our contentment comes in christ and then we can take joy in all that comes good or bad within that so thanks for joining us this month you guys we will talk to you next month